0: It's stupid! He comes across in front of
1: me every single time he overtakes. Where
0: did you want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Do 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 Daytona! Oh my God! What the hell did I just watch? Welcome to Motorsport 101.
1: I believe really- you are the
2: world champion! Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm Andre Harrison, and welcome to episode 123 of me corpsing RJ's ridiculous intros, and apparently the Motorsport 101 podcast as well. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, as always, and with me. You probably already heard in the intro he's probably still recovering his vocal cords back he's nashville's
0: finest he's rj o'connell <laughs> um thank you thank you um i am i'm just here um keeping tra- tabs on everything uh winter olympics related um as of right sure. now it's seven four korea in the eighth frame of what sport you ask uh, it could be anything it could be biathlon cross country it could be ice hockey it could be curling it's curling yeah
2: (laughs) um it's funny like we also just cracked some jokes um before this show started i I have a little bit of a a, a fun joke in here right before we started talking this we 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 are all big fans of the osw review podcast (laughs) And we joked. Welcome right? to
0: our review of Sunnyside Up, starring Tammy Vincent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Look, that was a thing, right? And we talked about it. We have, we have to
1: mention that it's OSW's review of Sunnyside Up, because if we just mentioned just Sunnyside Up, we have to mention that this is now an explicit podcast.
2: Yep, yeah, well, it's on iTunes, I know it's explicit. But um, that was a thing. And we and Zoe asked, What's Sunny sign up? And we all just <laughs> died laughing. Which is funny because the person who just tweeted us literally five seconds ago was Jay Hunter himself.
0: <laughs> we just got the rub. <laughs>
2: Who just tweeted us, ha, thanks guys, and yes, don't (laughs) laugh emoji. The night is dark and full of terrors. (laughs) Jay Hunter, we love you, man. (laughs) At least least
0: I know not to wear my Hall of Fame ring whenever I'm doing something like that if the money gets tight. Which the money will never get tight because of all (laughs) of our support for our Patreon backers at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101.
2: <laughs> Jay, we love you, man. Um, you're awesome. And if you're a wrestling fan and you're not listening to the OSW Review podcast, where the hell have you been? Basically, they are hilarious, and we love them so. So, yeah, um, Fropskies and Jay. I don't know how you got through in that. Um, g- good man. <laughs> but he's also one of the nicest guys on all of Twitter. So, so Jay and the crew, awesome. Also on the show is well. He's a guy that is in deep emotional grieving because of the worst American Olympic performance apparently in twenty four years. Oh. And, and also his beloved Michaela Schifferin not picking up seventeen gold medals. Um that's Ryan King. Hello, sir.
1: Hi guys. <laughs> I mean, she she got a gold medal. That's that's better than like most other Americans
2: at the moment, so it's like it's, it's like the biggest Olympic disappointment since Marion Jones. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. More on the Winter Olympics in just a minute because we're bringing back keeping it one hundred and one for that because we have to talk about the Olympic Games. What we do on this show, it's it's tradition. Just like Adam Johnson's restraining order, it's tradition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Adam. Be sure to subscribe to Harborough Arcade on YouTube. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> But in the
2: meantime, places you can find this real quick, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Me and Nora beat our headstick, Eriton. we were going to have podcast highlights out again very, very soon, most likely next week onwards. Let's so look forward to some of those. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport101. And if you'd like to follow us there, Personally, we are at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, and at RJ O'Connell. And of course, if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash minus One Hundred One. Just $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live, which literally about 10 minutes ago, I released a new episode of. Isn't that fun? It's it's very meta. Um, It is episode 46 of Bike Live. Which is coming um, right now by the time this is out. Um, it's the episode VR forty six, as we like to call it, because we're, we're witty like that. It's called "The Doctor Will See You Now." It is a Valentino Rossi special, talking about some of his greatest moments, some of his epic rivalries with people like Max Piaggi, Sete Gibernau, Jorge Lorenzo, Marc Marquez, and just what makes the man tick. And he, it's a, it's a fun time. It's a, it's a fun time. You could even I'll say, say it's th- a
0: blue ribbon, Scari, a nastro rosso piece of audio. Ooh. Mm. I like that, very cultural
2: Um, but hey, I've got a little bit of breaking news for you guys out here as well there's going to be two bike lives this week rather than one Yes, that's right. There will be a second Bike Live episode out this Friday. Um, Friday, the 23rd of February is a recording to this. It is going to be a 2018 World Superbike season preview as well. World Superbikes 2018 kicks off this weekend at Phillip Island. Um, Will Jonathan Ray win his fourth consecutive title? Brackets, probably. But, um, hey, we have to try and make it seem like there's a more competitive season going on. All to talk about the rules... All the talk about, well, goodness knows what else, really. Honda, Leon Camie through the field. Could Yamaha be a dark horse? Ducati in their V4 Panigale hype. Um, Spanish Elvis with Envy Augusta this time. That's always fun. Um, and we've got a special guest coming in. Greg Haynes is back as well. Whoa! Just like you want have our first episode of the reboot. We've got Greg Haynes back as well for, for that episode, episode 47. And I'm not going to be in that episode. But there's a very special replacement in mind. You'll see what I mean when the episode goes out on Friday, keep half an eye on that. In the meantime, let's have a quick musical interlude and let's get into keeping it 101. The first Keeping It One Hundred and One of Twenty Eighteen, ladies and gentlemen. It is good to be back. We've restoked the fires as the Winter Olympics are going down in in Pyeongchang and um, King. Like, have you have you, have, have you mourned sufficiently over the tragic American performance yet?
1: Oh God, it's it's hard <laughs> to break down to people who haven't been following the Winter Olympic Games. The United States is not where the United States usually is. Well, usually for the most recent. Olympic Games, where it's not only, we're not winning, we're not getting medals, period. Where Lindsay Jacobellis Jacob Ellis fails to me- medal in, in Border Cross, Michaela Schifrin fails to win a medal in her signature event, The Slalom, Lindsay Vaughn fails to medal in Super G, Nathan Chen fails to medal in men's figure skating. Oh. It's <laughs> it's a lot of not me- getting medals.
2: Like, if, if our man, like, Charlie Reginball was here. He'd be so stunting right now. Of Canada being so up there, and I think they're second or first in the medal table right now. Yeah, they're, <laughs> like, they're third in the medal uh, table. The third. Okay, so took the further little bit they're Still, like I think they're at eleven gold medals right now, which is crazy. Um, the Canadians are out here for a for a, for, a, for a fun time. But hey, King, at, at least Sean White came through, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least Sean White
0: came through. As did Chloe so, Kim. Chloe Kim yes. got herself a gold medal. Chloe Kim, yes. Is- Chloe Kim is just, I'll say this in advance. Chloe Kim is fantastic. Oh, she's fantastic.
1: She's amazing. She's, she's, she's American hope
2: personified. <laughs> I love that woman so much. Um, she, she won the, um, snowboard halfpipe gold medal and she was incredible. She blitzed the field, blew them away, but she was also, she got a bit of viral popularity for tweeting during the event itself. <laughs> And talking about how she missed her breakfast sandwich and now she was, quote-unquote, hangry. Um, not, not hungry, hangry. And <laughs> when asked why she didn't cry on the podium after receiving her gold medal, she said, and I quote, I spent too much time on my eyeliner. I love this girl. Yeah. Well, I,
1: it was a medal that was four years in the waiting because a lot of people kind of forget about this about the last Olympic Games, she would have been the favorite at the last Olympic Games if she was old enough to compete by the IOC rules.
2: In other words, she was thirteen back then, and she was leading favorite to win. Yeah, yeah. That that's 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 terrifying. That's like, my nuts hadn't even dropped at thirteen, and you're talking about being an Olympic
0: med- gold medal favorite. Like, come on, man. Y'all, like. Can we- I, can we just uh, can we also talk about some of the more ridiculous things that happen, like uh, the fact that you can be a dual sport athlete in, in this Olympics and still get yes. ass at it. Take yes. for instance, Esther Ledecka. Oh my god, that is an amazing story about how
2: she. I'm just going to have a go at this, basically. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't she not borrow your hero's skis, King? Yep. <laughs> And then she goes and wins the gold medal! I love it! <laughs>
0: I'm surprised <laughs> with their similar last names that Darren Revelle did not tweet out an Esther ledeca <laughs> to, to recycle his worst tweet from 2016. <laughs> that would have been
2: a beautiful, beautiful thing. But uh, that, that might have been, like... I'm, I'm, I saw criticism for the American coverage because... They were so sure that someone outside of the top 20 wasn't going to win that they didn't actually broadcast the run itself that would actually inevitably end up winning the gold medal, That just what was actually quite funny. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> so, I thought I thought I thought that was quite funny in its own right. And hey, even Great Britain's had its moments because hey, Lizzie Arnold retained
0: their Olympic oh. skeleton title. Oh. Woo! I have not watched enough downhill like sliding sports for my own liking, and I feel like I missed out because man, I love me some I love me some bobsled. I love me some luge, and especially I love me some skeleton.
2: Yeah, the idea of like britain dominating in a sport where we slide down on what's a glorified tea tray i think is the most british thing (laughs) of all time lizzie even named her named her sledge she even named it mervyn which is like the most british thing you could possibly imagine and she set a new track record on the final run to win gold by nearly half a second that woman is a total gangster (laughs)
1: And, and considering
2: the the metal
1: projection from before the games britain actually has Twenty five percent more medals than most projections thought they would have.
2: <laughs> right, like, but it, the funny thing is, it's still kind of a disappointing games for us. It's really weird because we have a gold and three bronzes. Because, um, I, uh, I yeah, because we also we got gold and bronze in the women's skeleton because um, Laura D's, um, Lizzie Arnold's teammate got the bronze, which caused our commentators to literally have an epileptic fit in the commentary, which I thought was also hilarious. <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Go on BBC Sports Twitter page and scroll down a bit. You'll find it. It's 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 a gem. Amy Williams is a delight. Um, and she was our champion in 2010, I believe it was, in Vancouver. Um, but yeah, like that, that was hilarious. Um, we had Don Parsons in the men's skeleton winning the bronze. That was a genuine, like, we were thinking, okay, outside chance, maybe a bronze if everything comes together. And we got the bronze, which was nice. Um, so that was fun. And one of our uh, ski slope star runners got bronze as well. So we've got a gold and three bronzes, but yep. it's funny because like our Olympic coverage on BBC sport has basically been dominated by all the coverage regarding the least Christie. And it has been ridiculous. She was basically our number one chance of um, multiple gold medals. Cause she was taking part in the 500, 1000 and 1500 meters short track speed skating, And she's had a nightmare games, basically. Um, She was disqualified into this morning's 1,000-meter race, which was her favorite event. She was coming off an injury she took when she went too hard around the outside of an athlete in the 1500, um, tagged the Chinese athlete, went spiraling into the wall and basically damaged the ligaments in her leg, um, which would normally put you on the shelf for four to six weeks, apparently. But they rushed her back like three days later to try and take part in the thousand, and it just didn't go to plan. She was yellow carded and disqualified anyway, and she was taken out in the five hundred meter final. So it's like back to back Olympic games. Like-, yeah, like
1: roughly based on you know the th- the think tank over at five thirty eight, they mm. projected that she wasn't going to win any medals
2: wow they gave yeah. that shot <laughs> yeah they
1: projected that britain would would win four medals one goal but christy
2: would get no medals <laughs> They they actually saw it coming. It's like that that, that is hilarious and cruel yet hilarious uh, because it's like the, the the running narrative was that she also got disqualified and crashed out in all three of her events at the 2014 games um, as well. So it's now back to back games for Elise Christie. She had it bad after the, after the 2014 game she almost retired from the sport altogether because of the abuse she got for taking out one of the home athletes um and the but since then she's now like well, i think she's a three-time world champion but nobody really cares about the world titles compared to the olympics that's the one where everyone's watching and yeah she's now 0 for 6 <laughs> in olympic events in the short track and it's just like the like if you if you watch the BBC coverage I swear to God they were playing her exit interviews every 15 minutes it oh was in infi- fee it was utterly infuriating Claire Boling who is normally one of our finest sports broadcasters and is normally fantastic was fueling the conspiracy theory fire <laughs> like are the judges out together and then like even the expert pundits were like come on now, they disqualified a South Korean athlete from the gold medal position they, these guys aren't biased it's like, they were willing to piss off the hometown fans <laughs> and as we've seen earlier, they can be quite aggressive um, basically um, but yeah it's it's it, it's been the Elise Christie show and it's been really infuriating to watch these games on the BBC King, like, I'm not just going to watch yeah, go, go, go King, on yeah. King, yeah.
0: Yeah. are we ready for USA versus Canada round, whatever the fuck this is in women's ice hockey cause I yeah sure, 114 they absolutely whipped ass in the semifinals it's yeah it's, we, we, we need this we America needs this we are very excited <laughs> about the hockey tournament where we're guaranteed to at least have the best players in their respective fields competing in the tournament
1: <laughs> oh yeah right background on why this Olympics has been so crazy for basically everyone number one the Russian Federation got banned from competing. Russian athletes could compete in the games, but number 1, their medals would not count to Russia's historical totals, two, their the Russian flag would not be raised if a Russian won gold or any medal and the Russian anthem wouldn't be played if a Russian That's fine because
0: <laughs> when Evgenia Medvedeva wins all of the women's figure stating gold <laughs> medals, they can just play the Sailor Moon theme on the podium <laughs> and Let's. that's perfectly fine. Medjava is the, only, is the only Russian athlete that we trust in these games. Maybe yeah, Ilya so, Kovalchuk. That's about it.
1: So, so Russians could compete in these games, but they had to have to pretty much not have been caught doping before and to pretty much adhere to the strictest anti-doping regime the IOC could come up with. Right. <laughs> to the point where one of the, one of the Russians who did compete at these games did get caught doping in curling
2: <laughs> How do you dope in curling very carefully
0: Why
2: for what <laughs> like, like, no, no, no! Please, I need to sweep faster. Please, I need, I, I need to dope so I have faster twitch muscle fibers in my arms for when I inevitably sweep this stone out of the out of the key. This that is that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like a Russian Man, gets done for in the fucking gonna curling. Oh, <laughs> literally! Yeah. I- Icarus Two: The Curling Edition the winter games edition <laughs> oh my god that is ridiculous oh my like, god like I, I don't even
1: like why why
2: i don't understand that at all also like i love the internet speculation we've had on on the internet on some time over Tessa Virtue and Scott Moore in in the figure skating as well who were just so friggin good Everybody thinks they must be in love with each other. I think mean, that's like the cutest yet weirdest thing I've ever read about all this. Like Oh there's... god,
1: Drake, Drake. You know what he yeah. tested positive for? What's that? Mel- Melodonium. The same substance that Maria Sharapova tested positive for. Oh
2: no! <laughs> 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 Sharapova's! Oh no, no, no. Was it was it from a was it from a ridiculously sweet line of Confectionery, or was it just the? <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know. We do have to talk about the men's hockey side of things, where this is also oh, yeah? the Olympic Games, where uh, the NHL decided that none of their athletes
0: would be allowed to participate in this Olympic Games. Yeah, this is why you see um, this is why you see PK Subban playing in Nashville right now instead of playing in Pyeongchang. But that's fine because my team still has a little bit of peace of itself in the <laughs> Olympics because Eli Tolvanen, at 18 years old, is leading the men's hockey tournament in scoring. The Predators yeah. are going to get him in the stretch run of the playoffs. <laughs> oh, it's going to make the inevitable Stanley Cup Finals last more painful to bear.
2: <sighs> get PK a goddamn championship ring. We're trying our best!
0: We're trying our man.
2: If it doesn't happen, RJ, I will beat the Super Saiyan Blue out of you. Like I'll hold you personally responsible. <laughs>
1: Let's Uh, see, any other stories from the games? Well, this will actually be the first games in a very long time where a certain country might be on the top of the medal table at the end, where it looks like it's either going to be the Norwegians or the Germans on the top of the
2: the medal count at the game's end. You mean Norway? They mean the country of the curly team with the fancy pants? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Norway It's like... I'd expect them to be at the top middle table. Germany, I'm like, whoa, is this the 1930s? Yeah, they're, they're just they're, they're killing it in all the downhill events, like the, the luge, the bob sleigh, and the and the skeleton. They've been they've been crushing it over there. So yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely surprised by Germany, if I, I must say. But uh, Norway, I'm like, whoa, okay, like somewhere fizzyfan 91 is like fist bumping relentlessly in his in his bedroom, talking about you know their <laughs> With their those their magnificent inevitable pants. No, the, the the curling pants are fantastic. I have to say, like props to the Norwegians for their great sense of humor. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 been a fun games, and uh, yeah, we're coming towards the I event mean, that is day twelve, I believe now. So we're coming up towards the business end of things, but uh, it's been a fun time as always. Yes, yeah. indeed.
0: As as the great Justin McElroy once said, "Oh baby, gotta have my <laughs> I Gotta
1: have my lips. Uh, yes, yes, sir. There's still, you know, events to look forward to. Um, oh, God, we're day nine, so what other events we have left? We're at day 12, mate. Oh, 12? Oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. It's gone quick.
0: America's sweetheart, Adam Rippin, no longer having to compete. I believe the men's figure skating side of things is done.
1: Yeah, women's downhill is, is today
2: uh oh yeah
1: <laughs> more chance for for disappointment
2: yeah you know what yeah I, I hope she picks up like a really petty bronze like just just to make you feel like really on the fence about the whole thing after your mocking of me like mid midweek last week when I was watching the grand talking like I hope I hope Schifrin, like completely shits the bed <laughs> wow. wow, thanks,
1: Dre. thanks Dre. uh well yeah day 13 we have the men's Men's and women, what? Men's and women's short track again. Yes. Uh, day fourteen, nothing. Uh, women's figure skating. Uh, women's big air snowboarding. That's gonna be fun.
2: Oh yeah, that's gonna be great.
1: And yeah, last day of the games. Oh yeah, last day. Men's and
2: women's mass start on the big on the big oval. <laughs> Oh no! <sighs> so... That I rub my hands like Burn Man at the very thought of this. <laughs> it's going to be great.
1: <laughs> and obviously, the finals of the men's ice hockey tournament.
2: Ooh, yeah! Like the, 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 there might be blood on this podcast in two weeks' time if if America doesn't bring that one home.
1: Oh, um... men's ice? No, men's ice. Like we're done. We're we're not getting a medal. <laughs>
2: The women's side, however.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. There's going to be blood involved there because, again, you have the best players in the tournament in the women's hockey game. Men's side, um...
2: <laughs> there, there, we still all... have,
0: we have... We have Brian Gianta on our team. Brian Gianta's 40. 40. Good Lord.
1: Uh, just so you know, uh, United said we barely made it out of our group. And, but we did destroy Slovakia, so we're we're actually into the quarterfinals.
2: <laughs> there is hope. There is um, hope for for American.
1: Right America, now, yes. it's shaping up that there will be uh, a semifinal. We're we're heading towards the semifinal. If the United States can somehow beat the Czech Republic, we're in to a semifinal against uh, the boys from Russia. I can't say the Russian Federation. I have the boys
0: from Russia. <laughs> But the, literally the boys <laughs> from Russia but that's the right. Olympic athletes from Russia but that's okay because when you have the great Bork on the US men's team how could you lose that's not Raymond that's, uh, that's Raymond's son Chris
2: <laughs>
0: Canada <Bork? laughs>
1: Canada's quarterfinal matchup is against Finland if they win they'll be in a semifinal against Sweden and Germany
0: sounds hype yep Who's ready for disappointment? <laughs> I've always been ready for disappointment. Are you kidding me? You, sh- Disappoint- you, you, you tell him, bro. It's-
2: Disappointment's
0: <laughs> my middle name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> ever, ever the bright and cheery one, aren't you, man? <laughs> right. Shall should we, should we talk about some motorsport, fellas? Oh, yeah, we're talking about Eric Almarola's disappointment. Yep, let's get into, after this quick musical break, the Daytona 500.
0: Break out your Smithfield bacon and pull up and open a box yes. of Pizza Hut. It's time to yes. talk about Daytona Day. But wait, Dre, you don't have any mango juice, do you? Sadly,
2: the the, the uh, mango juice was like I I, I had to, I had to go dry. I had to go so without mango juice on this year's out occasion. Out of this one, mostly. yeah, I, I wasn't out of it. I I, I watched the I, I didn't watch stage two, but I did watch stages one and three. I was I was. Bob was busy watching the least Christy fall over for the 15th time on BBC sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Sabbath. laughs> well, hey, well hey, if you
0: like, if you like people falling over in catastrophic manners, then the Daytona 500, especially at the end of these stages, it's perfect. Yeah.
2: Exactly. It's a great format for that. You just pop in and out. Like you like. like, you go, oh, oh, I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to come back home and then check back in
0: for the last 20 laps. And uh it was a fun time, apparently. Eesh. Tell us more, RJ. Okay, um, so basically we had we had restrictor plate racing. This is like ultra ultra condensed pack racing. Um, you have cars that are a lot faster and a lot more difficult to drive because they're slammed to the ground lower, um, and a lot of people were taking a lot of chances. So let's start. Uh, let's start with stage one, where we had a big old pileup. To end the first segment of the race, <laughs> and then we get to stage two, where we had another big pileup to end the second stage, and um, and then we get to the finish. We get to the finish. Now, oh, what, what what happened? Was there another giant wreck that had an effect on the outcome? Oh yeah, <laughs> it,
1: it wasn't. It wasn't really a giant wreck. It was, it was a small wreck that involved the most important people. <laughs> Which, of course, which
0: are the people in front now? Um, just to uh, just to set the scene here. Now, Ryan Blaney, uh, new Penske recruit, soon to be star of the Penske Games. Although he was on Penske Game season one, um, he was uh, he was kicking a lot of ass in this race. He led more than half of the laps. We get to the final ten laps of the race, and he's mixing it up with the field. Um, He he gets a run on defending race winner Kurt Busch in the middle of the pack. Uh, He gets a run. He's not going to lift. Busch makes a move down. And then that pretty much takes Ryan Blaney out of contention with too much damage. Uh, By the way, stage one, we took out um, seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson and rookie sensation William Byron all in the same swoop. And Eric Jones, who was having a tremendous race up to that point. They all got taken out. Stage two, we had pre-race odds-on favorite Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott got taken out in a massive head-on crash. But... Somehow wasn't any Hamlin's fault for once. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, believe, uh, I believe Ricky <laughs> Stenhouse was also involved in one of these. Kevin Harvick was taken out. But... Yeah. Stenhouse
2: almost caused the first one as well when he when he nearly lost. He had a fantastic save, but then Jones did not, and that's what caused uh, that enormous stage one wreck. I I reckon Stenhouse may have been distracted by um, who was behind. But
0: we (laughs) lost the biggest part of the race in stage two, as billions of Americans tuned out (laughs) when they saw that green and black GoDaddy number seven get wiped out in the wreck danica patrick in her last race for three months no! in fairness literally
2: a hundred literally 175
0: million people may or may not have tuned out 89 as- billion viewers tuned out that's why the, that's why the <laughs> overnight ratings were so bad folks <laughs> Of course, it wasn't just but... the fact of a sport being in recession, and having to rebuild around a whole bunch of new talent all at once, with the retirement of the most popular driver. Who, by the way, gave a stirring command to start engines. By the way, yes, sir.
1: Yeah, he's gonna be a great broadcaster, guys. He's, he's already he's already in social. I mean, already in Pontiac for the for the Winter Olympic Games, which is crazy.
2: I love Dale.
0: I love Dale so much. He's too awesome. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, but Danica Patrick got sta- taken out of stage two. No! Um, <laughs> so, Brian Blaney, so Brian Blaney holds the lead until two laps to go when Kurt Busch spins in front of him, collects Blaney and 11 other cars, including, among others, Reddit's favorite driver, Matt Benedetto, who was running in the top five. <laughs> See
1: the burrito! Yes!
2: yes!
0: Oh my goodness, it was... Future NASCAR Heat Evolution cover star. I don't think he drives uh, for Toyota, the, though. Uh, okay, shit. so we get to we get to the overtime stage. This is basically the green-white checker. And basically, to just simplify um, the overly complicated explanation is we give you two laps to complete one lap. If you can make <laughs> one lap, we can finish the race. If we can't, we'll try this again. We'll try it as many times as it takes. In the Xfinity race, they had to try it five times. Five times?
2: Yeah, shout out to Henry Chapman for dropping me that one. I was like, I had no idea that was a thing. Shout out to to Tyler
0: Reddick for winning by two ten thousandths of a second. Golly. Yikes. Uh, We get to to Denny Hamlin leading on the restart. He doesn't get such a good start. And Eric Almirola from Tampa takes the lead in the car that was once Danica Patrick's and all is looking. He he was clear. Yes, he was clear. And then the final lap comes around and who comes charged up behind him. But Austin Dillon in the famous Richard Childress, number three Chevy and Daryl Wallace Jr. in the famous number 43 of Richard Petty motorsport. They get a run. Dillon is not going to lift as they're going into turn three. Al Marola's going to cover that open gap. And what happens? Al Marola gets punted and Austin Dillon drives on to win the race. And everybody is upset. Uh, is this one of those welcome to
2: NASCAR moments where if casual viewers do, don't normally watch NASCAR tuned in would quite rightly be pissed off when they realize that's just how NASCAR is and has always been a thing? Is that the long and the short of it here? Yes and no. Well, Go on, King. Give me some yes context. The part
1: is, yes, you'd be pissed because in any other racing series that would be uh, pretty much a penalty for avoidable contact. And pretty much... <laughs>
2: NASCAR nice <call>. avoidable contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much like
1: it would have been declared a yellow flag. Um, Austin Dillon would have been Either penalized or disqualified, and Eric Alvarola would have been awarded the victory. But this NASCAR, that ain't going to happen.
2: Not a hope in hell. <laughs>
1: Old time NASCAR. Probably Austin Dillon still would have won the race because uh, RJ. Do you, like, when did they introduce the rule where you where a caution froze the field and you didn't have to race to the yellow? <laughs>
0: um, that would be late two thousand and three, was it not?
1: Yeah, so under those rules, uh, a caution didn't, like, freeze the field immediately, you still had to, like, run to the finish line, then the caution started. Right. Under that circumstances, Austin still would've won the race.
0: Yeah, and aren't we coming up on the 40th anniversary of NASCAR's breakthrough watershed moment in the mainstream, which was precipitated by, get this two guys literally trying to drive each other off the road down the backstretch and taking each other out into turn three so that Richard Petty could win from a half a lap behind them.
1: (laughs) Yes,
2: that did happen. But again... The the, the first episode of Motorsport 101 Fight Club, by the way. Uh, The the very first in America. (laughs) It it all started there. (laughs) Okay. But yeah,
1: that situation... Racing at Daytona was much different back then, where the fact that the next car behind the lead two was half a lap behind.
0: Yeah, you yeah, times have changed. You didn't have plate racing. You uh, you did not have uh, you did not have cars that could go this fast, this close together, and people were taking a lot of chances. I told my buddy um, Brian Hughes, who works as a uh, who works as a announcer for Nova Pro Wrestling up in Northern Virginia. Uh, give them a shout, by the way. They're a really awesome promotion. I told my buddy Brian that if, if this race is not going to finish clean, it's sure as shit, it did not finish clean. <laughs> it didn't even finish clean behind Austin Dillon taking the checkered nope. flag. Because if for if, he had, if in the hypothetical uh, situation where he'd been excluded for that avoidable contact, we would have had the closest Daytona 500 finish ever when Daryl Wallace Jr. beat Teddy Hamlin to the line by about an inch.
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. That was was so ridiculously close. It was was insane.
1: If that was the finish, it would be a completely different story. Oh, Oh, yeah.
2: I think the official time was four ten thousandths of a second between them. Yes. Because on a photo, NASCAR can go to five decimal places. Um, Yeah, four ten-thousandths of a second between them over that, which is about an inch from what I've been told at that speed. Um, So, um, yeah, Um, welcome to the Bubba Appreciation Space, I suppose. Welcome to the
0: Bubba (laughs) Wallace Jr. Appreciation Hour, the first black driver in NASCAR to race full-time since Wendell Scott in the early 60s. And he kicked ass he was great in his dual race he was consistently up at the front hell he could have won this thing on his debut yeah he led final practice he was the fastest
1: car out there after final practice
0: he had a car that has a technical alliance with the team that won it
2: yeah it's bonkers, it 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 is bonkers, and he was fantastic again—a fa- a career high second place finish. He's gotten better every single time he's been in the car, which I thought was another cool factoid as well. He um, got a call
0: on pit road from Henry Aaron. He got a Twitter shout out from Lewis Hamilton. Right, and then see, his, it's... his mother, his mother after the race, came up to him in tears at, during the press conference, and they and they shared a hug, and I'm just like. I'm not crying. You are. Who's
2: cutting? I I, I, I I choked up watching that. That was it. Was it was a beautiful scene, um, and his 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 diss of of Denny Hamlin uh, in the post-race interview was a thing of beauty. Now this requires <laughs> oh, some
0: context because uh, Denny sure. Hamlin had uh, had uh, well, uh, not to give too many shout, not to uh, not to glorify uh, a media outlet that we wouldn't condone but let's say Denny Hamlin just. Uh, Pulled himself up at, up by the bar and sat himself down at the stool to say that over 70% of NASCAR drivers use Adderall. Um, we don't know whether he was serious or whether he was just trying to, you know, have some banter. But then, but then after reviewing the uh, the incident between, uh, between uh, Bubba Wallace uh, looks at the incident and is like, I don't know about that. I think he may need some Adderall after the race.
2: <laughs> so, what exactly is, is Adderall for? Oh, I just, I just, I just, I just Wikipedia'd it. Oh, it's for treating the symptoms of ADHD and narcolepsy. Ah, yeah, now I see why that was such a sick burn. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs>
0: oh boy. Oh boy. And honestly, Daryl Wallace Jr. is like, is like face star that everybody's. That we that NASCAR has needed for a while, yeah. right? It's
2: like
1: it's it's been a while since NASCAR could honestly say that they have that they have a star that people outside of the sport like genuinely care about. I would say that it's it's been a while since Dale Junior was definitely one of those figures. Jeff Gordon in the late nineties was one of those figures. Sure. It, it, it's been a while.
0: And this is from a sport that desperately needs it because, again, you have that generation of drivers who were part of NASCAR's that last boom period in the late 90s, early 2000. You know, the likes of Jeff Gordon and now Dale Earnhardt Jr., Matt Kenseth that stepped away just in the last year. This is a sport that needs to rebuild itself around new talent. And, yes, you have guys who are ultra talented like Carl Larson, like Chase Elliott, Eric Jones, like William Byron. Uh, who just had an absolute drizzling shits at first race cup, by the way. Um, yeah. But Daryl Wallace Jr. has that it factor. He has, he has something that connects with he he connects with some he connects with well outside the sport, and he could yeah, be like, he could be a generation. He could be like a star who changes the face of the sport in general.
1: Yeah, like absolutely. He's he's the kind of guy that could connect with someone at a dirt track on Saturday night or Wednesday afternoon on the Ellen DeGeneres show. He's that kind of person.
2: Right, just just like an, an infectious level of charisma and just the sort of person where it's like if when he talks you listen and yeah, just you know not afraid to be emotional, not afraid to be passionate. Um, articulate Etc like, He blew me away and That was the first time I'd seen him on a racetrack Watching this Daytona 500 And I was blown away by by all those personality traits That he has And That is a guy that could easily be the face of a sport one day um, That's the immediate impression That I got from watching him So yeah Twin that in with a, with a terrific second place And getting right one over on Denny Hamlin Who is one of the sport's leading anti-villains At the moment And uh Awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, good weekend for Bubba, so to speak. On that one, um, yeah. Also, I, I still need mango juice, like, 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 effective immediately. <laughs> but, um, any other takeaways from from Daytona, RJ? Mm. Besides your, your strained vocal cords? Mm,
0: goodness. <laughs> um, what other takeaways did I have from this? Um... Do we do we need to rethink plate racing? Do so we need to th- rethink plate racing? Because in general, you know, that was that was a whole lot of... It, I was amazed that there were, there were not worse wrecks that came out of the way that some people were driving, especially to defender position. Like, I appreciate the job that Ryan Blaney did. He kicked ass, and he absolutely deserved a better finish. But he was also very block-heavy during this race, and that's what you kind of got to do to hold the lead in a restrictor plate race to begin with. Yeah,
1: like I, I, I'm pretty sure I spoke with R.J. before this about like, despite the fact that no car went airborne, like those are probably some of the most violent crashes I've seen in a long time. Yeah,
0: for instance, it about it. yeah, if, for instance Chase Elliott, said it was so violent that about 20 years ago, this would have this would have seriously hurt him.
1: Yeah, he would have been missing a significant portion of the season.
0: Yeah. Daniel Suarez's helmet cam um, showed pretty much the, the impact, and that's, that's, like, with modern safety equipment attached to it. Yeah. and The helmet cam it, it's, was fire, by the way.
1: Yeah, helmet cam was fire, but I, I think the, the earlier point of it, where it's almost like NASCAR wants this to happen, because pretty much the description that RJ said, where pretty much every stage finish ended with a massive accident and
0: pretty much for nascar this is not a problem yeah because with the stage they want to have some like incentive in the middle of the race they want people to just not tune out during the middle of it and then check back in for the last 20 laps they want to bring that excitement of the finish of the race throughout the purport throughout like the whole race itself and i get that and i get that drivers are driving hard for these stage points to get themselves in in an advantageous position to get in front of the championship with playoff points. We saw that happen with Martin Truitt Jr. last year, who won 19 stages. 19! Yeah. That's a lot. Jeez. That is a lot over 36-race season, uh, as it turns yeah. out. But um, I, I don't think it really works for plate tracks. I feel like a lot of NASCAR's rulebook is built around, like, the 32 other races that they have on the calendar and not just these four, which just so happen to be their four of their biggest drawing events. Of course. It's
1: like they should have a completely different rule package for, like, these tracks, which are, by their nature, by their inherent nature, they're outliers.
0: They're not the usual NASCAR race. Oh, do you remember the time they tried to have Pack qualifying? Pack knockout oh. qualifying at Daytona?
1: Oh, yeah. God. So, So, Dre, a uh, couple years back, NASCAR decided we're going to go down the Formula One route and have knockout qualify. That's great. That is really awesome. That is great on a track that is, you know, decently sized and you, you can have the cars space out and spread out. But... In plate racing conditions, it benefits you to run with other cars. You go faster in a
2: group. Yeah, that's, that 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 sounds ridiculous. So naturally,
0: but... we had a whole lot of wrecking.
1: Yeah, uh, like it was it was chaos. So basically, what NASCAR did was they still have group qualifying, but they still have the traditional you know single car goes out there for the plate races. So, mm-hmm. I think they should expand that thinking to the actual races themselves, where this is completely different than anything else we do. We should kind of come up with a rules package to. F- like specifically designed to handle
0: this environment. I don't understand why they still have the restrictor plate. I know why they have it; it's to slow the cars down. But my thinking was, when they went to the fuel injected engine with the standard McLaren ECU, I was thinking, right, we can we can have a rev limiter.
1: Yeah, we could do with we could do literally what IndyCar does at Indianapolis, where to avoid the cars going too fast, they have you know a rev limiter. Uh, pretty much the the boost pressure would go down. If once you pass a certain RPM. So so you still have the lower end speed and acceleration without the danger of extremely high speeds at the top end.
0: Yeah, because because honestly, mm-hmm. it's getting the point where it's just like, is a one-car 220-mile-an-hour wreck really that much more dangerous than a 15-car 190-mile-an-hour wreck? Yeah, and especially what we know
1: now about concussions. Like, pretty much, I'd rather have one crash with one impact than a massive pack crash where I'm probably taking five or six different
0: impacts. And especially with yeah. the safety advances that we've had since 1987, the last time we've had uh, plate racing. By the way, there's one other takeaway. Um, there's a very good 30-minute documentary on NASCAR legend Tim Richmond and his attempt to come back to racing and run the 1988 Daytona 500 while he was still battling trouble with getting him getting himself medically cleared to run. And it's, right. it's a very interesting documentary. It was posted by NASCAR man on YouTube. It's a, uh, it's told in the style of, I want to say it was the 30th or 30 about uh, June 16th, 1994. It was the day where we had the Stanley cup celebration and the OJ chase and the NBA finals all going on at once. It was told yeah. as a, it was told like using, using like archival footage entirely. And it's a good watch. Um, Tim Richmond, by the way, one of the most underappreciated characters in NASCAR because he was, he was the Hollywood type, um, ultra flashy showman that the sport needed, wouldn't have for like another ten years afterwards.
1: Yeah, pretty much. He was the guy who could have made NASCAR into a product that could compete with the likes of CART at that time, but uh, for obvious reasons. Tim Richmond's career ended very abruptly.
0: Right, because Yikes. because he had uh, because uh, what what we had thought was uh, pneumonia and drug problems, it turned out he had uh, he had contracted AIDS in 1987, and this was at a time where um, people's attitude towards HIV and AIDS was not very good. Um, if you but- ask certain people, they'll tell you that Tim Richmond was deliberately run out of the sport because of this. Um, at any rate, we'll never really know the truth, but Tim Richmond yeah. should have had a much better career, and I think it would have been awesome to see him run that one last race in his career in 88. So this is a good documentary. I'm I'm done shilling for things that I saw over the past week. Um, yeah. Daytona was... I,
1: I, I would say a good leading to that documentary is the actual 30 for 30 about Tim Richmond,
0: about his career up to that point. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Like In 86, he was just... Oh, he was kicking ass. He was even a former Indianapolis mm. 500 Rookie of the Year back in 81. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, if I recall correctly, he
1: almost was Rookie of the Year that year.
0: Hmm. Think, I think that might cover us for Daytona. Who's ready for the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 and land? Uh, I guess not
1: yeah i mean it it always dies down i like atlanta atlanta's a fun race uh i'd recommend watching it because there's going to be no other racing on that weekend and the olympics are going to be over by then
0: so you know it's there it's it's racing you know it sure if if you're that way inclined it, it has it has wheels and an engine and they keep score and that's not our motto so we should move on to our next segment Formula One. Yep, we, we have some cars. Oh,
1: yeah,
0: I <laughs> kind of like yeah.
1: time to talk about Formula One.
2: Uh, yeah,
0: uh, yay, <laughs> woo, hype! I... We have we have Formula One stuff. We have we have cars. We have actual cars, and we have renderings of cars that will eventually be built into, be built into real cars. So. <laughs>
2: Are we? Are we like, I love that we're not even like pretending to like enjoy this bit. It's like, yeah, it is. The cars. Let's
1: start off with the most enjoyable bit of the car reveals. Was the 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 ultimate honeypot from our favorite Formula One team, Aston Martin Red Bull Racing, powered by Tag Heuer.
2: <sighs> Whose favorite F one team? I'm sorry. <laughs> Whose? <laughs> Apparently oh, the oh, internet's
1: oh. now, because they they love the new livery for the car. It Despite won't fu- even
0: race. Yeah, yeah. It's the- a testing-only livery. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. wish it
2: would race. It's like Red Bull of Cocktease in us again. Yep. Yeah, well, uh. Ultimate
1: Honeypot. Like, it's like, hey guys, here's our new livery that only be used for testing. Here's our great new livery.
2: It's like I love that they said like, "Oh, we're going we're to try and keep some of the Aero parts secret, as if Photoshop doesn't exist." It's like if the, the teams will find a way to alter the filters so they they can see exactly what they need to see. People like, can put in it in Photoshop. F-
0: it ain't hard.
2: <laughs> like ask Gareth; he's doing a bunch of videos about the series. Um, God bless him. It, it's 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 it's, it, it, no. it's never about hiding the car because
1: like no. It's it's viral marketing. It makes people excited
0: about Red Bull Racing, right? Um, Exactly. Williams has a new FW41. I believe this is the first car entirely designed by Paddy Lowe since he went to the team. So there is optimism there, and at least the livery hasn't gotten too old for some. I still like I still like the martini colors. Yeah,
2: I should. I, I I like the added black on the on the underbelly for what it's worth as well.
1: I, I should admit my favorite part about circling back quickly to the Red Bull story. Uh, apparently, first run for the new car, the new RB14, Daniel Ricciardo crashed the car. <laughs> 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 oh, oh. Uh, so, uh, the car was damaged enough that they had to stop running for the day, so they couldn't hit the uh, 100 kilometer limit that you get for you know promotional and filming purposes. Oh no! So, like... Oh. What a shame! uh, Yeah. You can just re-edit it.
0: That you can you can create like a whole story with a narrative of like a driver who has a terrible crash but then comes back to race again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You could just grand tour that shit.
2: Sure, why not? Um, So yeah, the the like obviously I I never saw I never heard so So I I never heard stories about Ricardo crashing the car. So I guess the camo livery is working to perfection.
0: Um, So yeah, good to know. know. Um, now but, the most the most beautiful car from the rear angle is quite uh, quite without question so far. It's the Alfa Romeo, the Salfa Romeo, uh, the Salfa Burmeo C thirty seven, the Alfa Romeo Sauber, uh, because you get that lovely Alfa red on the car. It just looks so magnificent, and then you turn it around. That ass! Oh my goodness! Oh no! You you kept it! Oh god! The, this is you, still a Sauber! This is still a Sauber! <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh no it's uh it's 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 like a literal case of that ass and then you see the front and it's like oh no <laughs> what happened here um
0: like, but uh, my baby was yeah. so- oh oh okay oh <laughs> oh right uh, gonna swipe right on this one
2: it's like uh, i don't know man it's like Part of me has always dreamed to have, like, a Ferrari in that sort of, like, white, like, with, like, all of it in white, with the same Ferrari branding as usual. I've always thought that would be quite cool, like, when people photoshopped the blue Ferrari last year, and I was like, I could get behind this. Like, again, there's a a better chance of me marrying Ali Raisman than than that actually ever happening, but, um, (laughs) like... Like the, the, that that rear end on that on that was a beautiful beautiful thing. The rest of the livery, like the fact they have very little sponsorship, is only made worse. But the fact it's white, it just makes it like that much more obnoxious
0: to look now, at. Hold on, um, they do have nineties apparel. Mega giant Kappa joining the team as a partner.
2: <laughs> Kappa, wow. Mm-hmm. You mean like it, it, you With know what's kind of sad in back 20... to
0: the 90s, nineties, y'all.
2: You know what's quite sad? People will now more likely know Kappa as a twitch emoji more than the actual clothing brand (laughs) itself.
0: (laughs) Okay, now I just want the Sauber to be covered in pictures of David Ducati's face. Right. (laughs) A a montage of Kappa. It might actually look better than what they did with hodgepodging this car together. And of course the most recent that we have is the Renault RS18. Hmm. Mmm, that's gorgeous. It's it's gorgeous
2: CGI, that's what that is.
0: Um, it is just a red ring, but it's it's a lovely red ring. That, that, that yellow, that black, mm, everything. King, your boys should be proud. Yeah,
1: and I love that my boys decided to sign even more of my boys because Renault has announced that they've signed two new drivers. Uh, oh? Res- yeah, their reserve driver is... Now, Formula Two driver Jack Aiken, and their test and development driver is Artem Markolov. Uh,
0: the, wait,
2: wait, wait, wait! We got the Mad Russian in. Yes. Yeah. As yes. One,
0: as one Russian departs, another takes his place. We, we we have the we have the Mad Russian and
2: that guy from ours. My driver series. <laughs> Nico, Hul- nice. N- Nico
0: Hulkenberg decided to actually color coordinate his helmet for a change. Good on you, lad. I
2: I don't even know why he chose red. The fans chose red over green last year and those guys were damn stupid. Like also on a side note, Marcus Erickson's tribute livery to um, tribute helmet to Ronnie Peterson was fantastic. I absolutely love that. If he
0: just if he just wore tribute helmets to Ronnie Peterson all the time, I think we would get over the notion of him being a the absolute definition of F one replacement level.
2: Word like, like later, <laughs> I know, right? Like just, just keep having awesome tribute helmets and more Swedish stuff. God, I miss when know. they did
0: that for Monaco. John Eric, right? Ver- John Eric Verne's Francois Sever helmet was just, oh perfect. yes, perfect.
2: That was fantastic. We like historical stuff on this show, but we um, we're, yeah. we're all we're all stuck
0: in the past. Give us, <laughs> give <laughs> us back <laughs> our V 16s and our refueling. And our big, oh, well. big spooling turbochargers. and our and our fuel tanks that literally explode if you flick them with your finger, because that's what real don't. racing was all about. I don't know. Don't, what don't can- forget the grid girls, bro. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so geez, favorite so far, fellas? Renault.
0: Renault.
2: Renault. Yeah, it's 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 a clean it's a clean sweep. I think the only issue is that their car looked. I, mean, I had a chat with Varr about this. Their car looks very simple, yeah. so they're probably not going to have their aero parts on that CGI rendering of the of the reveal of their car. But the. The suits are schnazzy, and uh, I hope Carlos Sainz keeps his helmet design from last year, because that thing was a thing of beauty, um, along like Hulkenberg being on brand um, was, 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 was pretty nice. Shame it wasn't pink, just to troll himself a little bit there, but uh, hey, <laughs> we, 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 we can't have it all. <laughs> we can't have it all. Um, let's go from one FIA series to another, the WEC! Super season is almost
0: here. Super season is almost here, y'all. We got sixty cars at Le Mans. We had we had an entry list of nine cars. We had sixty-nine cars at one point. Nice for Le Mans. <laughs> yes, indeed, it's very nice. And we have ten LMP ones. Fun fact: if you if you take a sledgehammer to a Porsche 919 Hybrid and break it up, it it Bust up into eight neat non-hybrid LMP ones from the likes of Dolara mm-hmm. and Janetta and Orica. Um, nice. Yes, we have for Lama 30 prototypes, 30 GTs, and for the WEC we have 17 prototypes, I believe, and 17 GT cars. So I believe that makes it 34 for the full season, 60 for and that's a good, healthy entry for a series that we were kind of worried about a little while ago. Yes, sir.
2: Mm. We've we, we, we've come a long way, people. And again, like when, when we first heard the news about Porsche quitting, I don't think anybody could have predicted that we would get this many teams on on the board by then. It's that's kind of bonkers to me, but um, bonkers in a good way. Um, and uh, wow. Uh, some of the names in there are absolutely stacked for what its worth. Like, geez,
0: there's a, there's a lot of quality drivers in this field, Mister O'Connell. Yes, indeed, we've got we've got Mikhail Lotion repping S and P Racing. We do have Andre Lotterer, Neil Yanni, both at Rebellion Racing. Hmm. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire! We've got, of course, we got we got Toyota, and Toyota is um is actually the talking point. It's It's the main takeaway from what we got out of the reveal of the 2019, 2018-2019 roster. And as I'm going over some of the names, Oliver Roland is in a manner. That's... Yeah. Ranger Vandersand is driving for Dragon Speed, the Americans. Oh, my goodness. But in the end, it all circles back to your one factory team, and it all circles back to Toyota, and it all circles back to... A Spanish dude with long hair. Won a few hey, races. Y-
2: your mans. Your mans. Talk to us about your mans, RJ. Fernando Alonso. Your mans-
0: Fernando Alonso is going to drive the full season of the WEC. He's also going to drive the full season of Formula One. King, how is he going to do all of that? Oh, well... The ACO
1: decided to make things easier for Fernando Alonso... They decided that the one conflict on his schedule where uh, I believe the six hours of Fuji would have conflicted with the United States Grand Prix, they decided, hey, let's move the six hours of Fuji to an earlier date so Fernando can, comp-
0: can compete without any difficulty. Right. I cannot see any, any problems with this whatsoever. Except for the fact that this now means that the Six Hours of Fuji now clashes with the Petit Lama, the IMSA season finale, on the very same weekend, an ocean away on the very same day. And there, and we don't have a Concorde replacement just yet, and Elon Musk is still worried about his flamethrowers, so we can't develop a new form of supersonic travel. So if you are somebody who has signed up to the North American Endurance Cup, for instance, along with your WEC contract... Hello, Harry Ticknell, who is a double factory driver with Ford in the WEC and Mazda in IMSA. Oh, now you got to pick and choose. And if you're a works driver, they'll basically just tell you where to go. In the case, if you're a driver who doesn't have a works deal uh, and is doing both races, knowing that at one point you you could do both, uh, now you can't do both.
2: Yeah, it's 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 not ideal. It it, it it you're hurting paychecks. You're you're compromising contracts. It's it's not ideal for anybody involved, and a lot of the drivers involved in said clash um, have kicked up big stings about this on Twitter. twitters. Yeah, we, like, we
1: should we should preface this by saying this is in no way, shape, or form Fernando Alonso's fault. No. it's the fault. It's the fault of the people who value Fernando Alonso. God
0: damn you, Toyota! Yeah, because because what was what was the what was the ACO going to do when Toyota asked, Hey, could you move the could you move this race back? I'm like, no, we've got too many contracts. Hmm, okay. What's our severance fee? Bye. Yeah. They they kind they, they kind of had to do them a solid, especially considering the six hours of Fuji is at Toyota's home track, and they're not just gonna be like Okay, the biggest off-season acquisition that we got is not actually going to turn up, but we have an Anthony Davidson. Anthony Davidson of F1 2017 commentary fame. Woo!
2: Sigh, (laughs) sigh, and triple sigh. (laughs) It's, It's not ideal, and it's like... It sucks for everybody, really. Like, there's no no winner here outside of Toyota who now get get their mans for a full season. And I don't think you need me to tell you that I feel like the idea of of basically compromising the contracts of many of your drivers on the field for the sake of one dude in an advertising pool is never going to go over well. And, you know, I don't think you should accommodate many crossover guys to you know prop up the chances of another crossover guy taking part even if it is fernando alonso but like king it's it's not great is it let's be honest It's, it's no. kind of from, shitty a, for everybody. from a
0: sporting perspective it is terrible from a marketing perspective for the aco it's fantastic late capitalism is terrible and that's why you pay two dollars to get filtered water out of an app but you can get tap water for free <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: oh dear, but yeah, it, it, it's not a good look. They were in, a, I wouldn't say they were in a no-win situation, but yeah, when you pretty much say yeah, this conflict that we have with a single-seater championship. We're going to, you know, avoid that, but also create a conflict with another sports car championship with a lot of our guys also participating. It's not a good look. It's not
0: a good look. But there's also there's also an interesting story in that the very first year of the WEC, they had to change their calendar four or five times because of conflicts with Formula One. And just and just a couple of years ago, um, there was quite a big fuss when Nico Hulkenberg could not return to defend his 24 Hours of Le Mans title because Le Mans was clashing with Baku on the same day.
1: Mm-hmm. But, you know, Baku solved that problem, so thanks, Baku.
0: Yeah, and it's not like... They welcome is, it's not it's not like WC and IMSA are like at complete odds with each other. Like This isn't great. It doesn't help your relationship, but at the same time, IMSA was nice enough to be like, WC you need a you need an American round. Okay. We'll let you have an entirely new 12 hours of Seabring right after ours. Yeah. And they let's just say their relationship is already like not good. Like it's not good. It's it's fine. It's not like it's it's workable enough to where you can at least get guys like corvette racing you ha you still have imsa automatic entries into the 24 hours of lot yes it's not like this is irreparable it doesn't help but at the same time this is not going to be like the start of like oh goodness well imsa and corvette racing are going to start the the 24 hours of Mans. yeah yeah this this is not a sports car version of
1: the split. there it's not but- that bad <laughs> but we are in a situation where pretty much um, Where the, the new LMP1 regulations Are going to be pretty much made Without, well With very little input from IMSA And the ACO pr- Pretty much They want IMSA to adopt them To replace the Daytona Prototype International category Eventually
0: <laughs> right. right And also we're going to have BOP and LMP1 now That's, that's going to be a thing Oh,
1: no, no, uh, that, well, technically it was a thing already, but, yeah, basically they turned the equivalency of technology into a B.O.P. rulebook.
0: Yeah, so if you fall, so if you fall afoul of the rulebook, again, unlike certain other publications, this is not, you know, the WEC trying to twist the arms and keep the privateer teams down because they realize that if not for these privateers, there wouldn't be an LMP1 category. But if you yeah. fall afoul of the BMP, like, let's say, Land Motorsport did at the Rolex 24 at Daytona, even if all your, even if all your shit is to the regulations, you can still get a stop and hold plus five. Yeah, which is...
1: I, I, my issue with it is the fact that there's a catch-all rule. That pretty much, if the stewards want to penalize you because they feel like you're going too fast, they can.
2: Yeesh. Yeah. That that seems a bit
0: much. Can we also like, talk about the I, driver rankings controversy? Because my dude, <laughs> in Pro Am LMP2, um G drive racing roll is rolling out an all-pro lineup. And in LMP1, there's a 55-year-old gentleman driver. Welcome to GT Yikes.
1: Racing in a Pro Am category. <laughs> Whoa.
2: <laughs> wow like the said who said the gentleman driver
0: era is dead. <laughs> I mean we had it it's we had a gentleman well. driver in the Daytona 500. Shout outs to Mark Thompson 66 years old. Oh yeah.
2: lord. He's, he's old enough for his bus pass over here and he's still driving race cars. What a guy. <laughs> Just because he's got enough money and sometimes you get argue more money than sense. <laughs> oh boy. Uh just so speaking of that, like uh, RJ, what's us a little about um, Rally Sweden? Mm. <laughs> mm.
0: What's this? What's this? Hold up, let me look through the set list. Oh yeah, Rally Sweden happened. Hazel Southwell was there. Yay! Thierry Neuville won for Hyundai, which also, has yeah. a, was a, which has a Hyundai owner, this makes me very proud. Uh, Ireland's Craig Breen, by the way, was the was the star of the show for Citroen. He finished second. That dude is on uh, en fuego right now. But nobody's talking about that because five-time and defending Sebastian OJ decided to galaxy brain the power stage.
1: <laughs> oh what, what,
0: I, I, I've not heard about this. What happened? <laughs> so, if you
1: don't know, the World Rally Championship, they award, you know, the FIA-style point system like Formula 125 for sure. a win down to one point for tenth. Though, there is the power stage. The final competitive stage of the rally offers its own special point system where I believe the top five guys get points. You you get top uh, five now. Yeah. So so you win that stage, you get five points in the championship. Uh Uh-oh. So uh, with OGA out of contention for the rally, he was set to be one of the first runners out there on a basically – an unused track. It wasn't run... It was, wasn't run on yet. Uh, so, basically, knowing that he was out of contention, decided to stall and miss his start time, incurring, you know, a time penalty for the, the, the rally outright. Though... Sure. He still gets to run the stage not only after the WRC cars, but after all the other cars in the rally, like the national class cars, <laughs> the club-level cars. So he gets to run... Like dead last after like the stage is gonna be the fastest, it's gonna be all day.
0: Everybody else has plowed the snow for him. And if you've driven wow. Rally Sweden in any contemporary rally game, like a like anything from Codemaster, for instance, um it's already kinda of treacherous and just imagine having to plow all the snow in front of you <laughs> while you're driving that. That's not great.
1: So that is so
0: fucking crafty. He finished so, second. Yeah,
1: OGA finishes second, gets four points on it. Like, he would have, after that day, if he had just ran the stage as normal, he probably would have left there with no
0: points. Oh no, he would have left it with one. He turned it into five! Yeah, he turned it into five!
2: Wow. Wow! 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 That is some crafty shit.
1: We do have to talk about other incidents that took place. Like, uh, there was a, an on-stage collision between two of the WRC cars. Oh my cars. god!
0: I heard about this. Um, Tanek <laughs> well, of Toyota and Chris Meek of Citroen apparently had a dust up.
1: Yeah. So Tanek was on it all weekend. Like, he was one of the outright fastest cars, but he had like incidents throughout that, including the co- co- the collision. And he's going to, basically, he got impatient. Because Meek was pretty slow at the time. Tanik was on it. And he needed to get around him. And he decided the moment he caught up to him, he was going to go for the pass. And Rally, Rally Sweden, there's like only like one lane through the massive piles of snow. And he decides to go for an overtake. And they collide.
0: <laughs> and who said we were done oh, about no. ton talking about awkward collisions at the end of stages? Tanix's car, Tanix's car is
1: beached. Meek's car is fairly fine. Meek continues on. Like fans have
0: to come and rescue Tanix's car. <laughs> <laughs> this wouldn't even be the oh, first no. time. Remember, this is the same man who literally drove into a lake.
1: Yeah. As, as a Toyota fan,
2: I was sad. Oh, no. That is that is terrible yet hilarious. Um, collisions in the WRC. What? That's not how this works. This, this isn't Sega Rally, people. Like, jeez. What's that?
0: Bump trapping in the WRC?
2: <laughs> sure. If push your man along through the tight 20-mile-an-hour hairpin. That, 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 that'll speed him up a bit. Let's go. <laughs> oh, dear. Fellas, fellas, I think it's time we bring back an old feature. (laughs) What? What's what's coming back? It's
0: time for the mailbag! Yes! (sighs) P stored in the mailbag. Wait. Come again. It's your reader questions. We, we got a small mailbag because we're, we're we got a condensed size mailbag, a fun sized mailbag, if you will. A well, fun sized. A fun sized. Yeah, you
2: yeah. know, it's it, it's covered in black panther branding now because you know it's it's on brand
0: for the you know, for for, for modern blockbuster releases. It's right. It's making over two hundred mil in its opening weekend. That's amazing. Fuck yes!
2: <laughs> I'm here for all this black excellence. Right, so. Uh, Into the mailbag this week and one from our friend of the show and yours, Charles Regible, who asks which driver has the best Instagram stories? We're not
0: going to say Matt Shilton. That's exactly what he wants us to say. (laughs) That would be preposterous.
2: Oh, God. Like, Zoe in our chat has just screamed willpower in the background.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. Is is it a bad time to admit that I don't follow a lot of Instagram stories of drivers? I don't either to
2: be honest. Like I don't follow a lot of drivers on Instagram. Like I f- Racing drivers I follow on Instagram is like James Hinchcliffe and not much else. Like I follow Carlos Munoz on Instagram and like there's not much else I actually follow on Instagram. Like I don't like I don't use Instagram to really follow that many people besides mutual friends and shit, so like, King never logs onto Instagram, that's a no. fast. <laughs> no <laughs> Nope. So like, like stop shouting will in the background, Zoe, I mean, for fuck's sake. Um, no, but, <laughs> um, I don't even follow willpower on Instagram, so I can't put an opinion out on this one. It's terrible. Like we we're not socially active enough around here, King, clearly. Yeah, we're
1: we're clearly in the old camp.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just gonna say, like, I'm just gonna say, just follow Hazel on Instagram, because she's way funnier than most people on there anyway. So follow Hazel on, on Instagram, uh, Hazel underscore Southwalk. She's hilarious. Uh, so go with that, basically. Um, sorry if I butchered your name here, Uzma. I hope, I hope I pronounced that right. Apologies if I didn't. Um, if you could put a Grade One slash Grade A circuit anywhere in the world, where would it be? Queens, New York. Stop! S- stop! <laughs> what is wrong with you?
0: Hey, <laughs> um... I- I'm ex- I'm extremely biased. Of course. Um. <laughs> mm, goodness. Um. What's What's like a What's like a nice suburb of London? Because that seems to be what everybody wants. Is like just stick
2: it in West London, like roughly the south hall sort of area, so I don't have to leave my bedroom window to watch the race itself. Like that would be pretty gangster. If, if you ask me, we've got, we've, got, we've got a couple of nice dirt back alleyways as well, which is which is fun.
0: <laughs> and it would still oh, provide oh, oh, better oh, racing than Battersea.
2: Sure, uh, you know we'll turn it into a Randy Cross stage.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness!
2: Uh, so <laughs> so that would be fun. Any sessions on your end, RJ? Besides coming to, coming down here for the London Grand Prix. <laughs>
0: mm, let's see. Um, put one up in like. I don't know. I, I want to say, like, maybe somewhere in and in, in around Los, Los Angeles. Yeah, that sounds like... That'd
2: be crew. pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. You get that get that
0: LA market exposure, baby. Yeah. We're like, uh, uh, we'll,
2: we'll settle for Port Imperial. You know, <laughs> it'd be like
1: hometown hero Lewis Hamilton's here to win a Grand Prix. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P.
2: Port <laughs> Imperial. Oh, yeah. God. R- R.I.P. indeed too, you too ambitious
1: too... <laughs> for this world
2: <laughs> <laughs> the world wasn't ready for you yet oh dear oh dear Osama, um, Osama
0: Adamea has another question for us sure um, what is the most entertaining yet farcical race you've ever watched in well, basically just say any series so off the top of our head F1 oh Ooh,
1: I really have to say that season one finale
2: (laughs) for Formula E. Oh wow! Um, I would happily have said season two with basically the whole championship coming down to a time trial. The
1: time time trial finale.
2: The time trial finale Um, in IndyCar. uh, My God, IndyCar, IndyCar 2011
0: New Hampshire. That's a that's a very very Hmm. good one. Um, considering how clusterfucky the end of that race got to. Um, Might I put in a suggestion for the 2008 Brickyard 400 where nobody could go uh, more than five or seven (laughs) laps without a tire blowing and a caution coming out?
2: Yeah, MotoGP Phillip Island 2013 with the first ever flag-to-flag race because the diamond cut the track and no and no bike was safe for more than ten laps. And Repsol Honda very nearly cost Mark Marquez the title because they couldn't <laughs> count to ten.
0: Mm.
2: <laughs>
0: yes, that was fun. Yes, and before anybody asks, yes, that United States Grand Prix, that United States Grand Prix that me and my family got to saw in person. <laughs>
2: in person. Can we? You mean 2006? You mean 2006? 2000. <laughs> I'm joking. Um
0: another good one um, NOLA Motorsports Park, IndyCar's oh only venture to New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was supposed to that was supposed to going that was supposed to be like a, a staple on the calendar. They were like cuz they only used like half half the circuit for the first event and they were consulting with IndyCar about the design for the second half and it was going to be it was supposed to be a stable for years and it was one event and
0: gone stated the <laughs> art but then it just rained, rained, it rained, it rained it rained it rained all damn day the race didn't even get to halfway, I think <sighs> at least Hinchcliffe Yikes. won it James Hinchcliffe eternal winner of the Indy Grand Prix of Louisiana Woo! Undefeated. Yeah. In New Orleans. Undefeated.
2: <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh my
1: god. Though, I do have to pull one farcical race out of the, out of the great bag of history. The 1926 French Grand Prix oh. Held, oh, 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 held on a five kilometer long oval in the south of France.
2: Let's! <laughs> it, sound, oh it
1: sounds good on paper. Of the, I believe, dozen or so entrants to the race, only three actually turned up. And only one car went the full distance.
2: Well, sounds like Canada 2011 all over again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But, uh... Uh, boy, there's there's a there's a couple of crazy ones as well. I love that Zoe in the chat also mentioned the Texas double and the lottery to decide the lineup for the second race. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. That, that doesn't <laughs> sound fun. That doesn't sound pretty. Um,
0: that that sounds that sounds like a mess. Um, didn't Henry send in a question as well, RJ? Um, I'm I'm skimming through the. Uh... I'm skimming through the, uh, the tweets here. We got we got a few tweets. Please please add us at motorsport un- underscore one oh one. We have we have one from Jason Poland, which we did kind of cover. Rate the Alpha Sauber livery on a scale of one to ten. Four. Uh, cool. Um. I'll I'll give her I'll give her face a two, and ass a nine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, stop being so subjectifying so of cars,
2: for God's sake, man! Get a grip.
0: <laughs> okay, I just, Four. I just, need, I just need something that'll bring me some excitement. Because why else would I turn up to a race, if not to see like beautiful, gorgeous cars? So, please sign my petition. I'm very desperate for attention.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is it the same one the Barney's passing around ran to bring back the Darts Walk-on Girls back. No, is that it, this is 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 a like, different uh, one?
0: <laughs> this is a different position. I don't think we got. Yeah, like I said, I don't. I think that might have covered all of our questions in our very fun-sized mailbag. There's, yeah. There's one more. I so I was looking for
2: Henry Chapman's Street and I found it. it so I replied to RJ Street, but I'll ask again: Who should replace DW in the Fox NASCAR booth?
0: Um. Well, the guy I would have suggested is already contracted to NBC. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm guessing that's day, all right? Yes. Yeah, full yeah, so. Just want to confirm. <laughs>
0: I'm. I'm honestly drawing a blank. Hmm. How about for how about for comedy's sake, Troy Aikman? Oh God! <laughs> oh
1: my God! If if they could pull off the deal, I'd really prefer Tony
2: Romo. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Oh dear. One more one as well because Zoe's determined to bombard this podcast from the outside. Um, last minute question. Who's winning and who's coming last in this year's Penske games?
0: Oh! Oh, jeez. That might be the most important motorsport contest, the most important championship of the season.
1: Yes, it is.
2: It's it's, it's going to be lit. Like I, I, My money is I, I'm going to go for the Dark Horse pick here. I'm going to say Juan
0: Pablo Montoya and his multiple faceted skills will find a way to get this done. Give me Pagano, give me Pagano, and I think I think he's going to walk it this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The
2: man who finished stone dead last it's last t- year—it's time
0: for the comeback. It's time for the <laughs> ultimate comeback. If Leicester City can win the Premier League, Simon Pagano can win the Penske games.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! Like, like, who knows? Like, Henio's got two chances because he's time for two different teams now as well. <laughs> but uh, I, well, I can't wait. for the Penske. It's going to be fantastic. I, I, I cannot wait for that season two. It starts, I believe, March seventh. So keep an eye on Team Pensky's Twitter account and, for that one.
1: And my pick is my namesake, Brian Blaney.
0: Blaney, yes, that's that's a, that's a solid pick. I'm half of Team Super Best Friends. Yes, yay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the one thing I forgot to touch on, Daytona. We didn't get a Super Best Friends 1-2 finish. We'll get it someday. I I, I have faith. Soon. Any order is fine. And one last question from Zoe.
2: In honor of Andretti Auto Sports President Day video, you shameless (laughs) fangirl. How many U.S. presidents can you name? (laughs)
1: Uh, let's save that for another episode <laughs>
2: yeah okay we'll say that for, the, for, for another fortnight's time because you know ryan king being this story and he's bound to like basically run the table like will power did going through the <laughs> alphabet backwards like during like season one of the penske games but I think we're just about done here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we kept we kept it dinky. Under an hour and a half, which is actually going against my bet that like I had before the show that I reckon we find a way to go over. We didn't. Go us. We're getting better at this whole podcast thing now. Places you can find us one more time, are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at harrison101hd at O'Connell. And that, Ryan Eric King. Um, if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Five bucks, get you early access to both this show and Bike Live. Both episodes of Bike Live. Although I did want to point a small asterisk on that. There will not be early access for the season preview because we're going to be tight for time recording that one. So um, as soon as it is finished, we will put it straight up on our SoundCloud no matter what time it is. So stay tuned around late Thursday, early Friday morning for it. Um, so as I said, Bike Life Old Superbike season preview for 2018 will be up sometime around Friday night. Um... Again, Greg Haynes will be on it as well and Rebecca James will be back most likely on that show as well. So, you know, all, those, all you Bex fans out there, you get her uni appearance. I <laughs> <yearly> uh, so, <laughs> <so, laughs> Enjoy that one. Um, I've been Andre Harrison, they've been RJ, Eric Wendell, and Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Bye.
0: I cannot believe you are the world champion!